0: Welcome to Living the Questions, a podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Cheyenne. Thank you for joining us. Here on Living the Questions, we wrestle. We wrestle with life's dilemmas, we wrestle with current events, and we wrestle with what it means to live lives of integrity. We hope that you find some community, some comfort, and some hope in this time together. To learn more about our congregation, you can visit our website at UUCheyenne.org. Welcome back to our podcast, Living the Questions. I'm so grateful for all of you joining us again, and I'm grateful to be back after some time away uh, from the podcast. Um, And so we are back to wrestling with questions. We're back to trying to figure out what's going on in our world. And man, what a world it is. Our question this week is, how can we make sense of the year we never expected? So we're looking back at 2020, trying to understand how we can make sense of it. And it's, you know... There are ways that it's, it's like, too soon to really make meaning of it, but I think that even already, even now, we are trying to just understand and give language um, f- to the things that happened in the past year. And I'm really excited about this week's podcast. Um, A little bit later in the episode, you're going to hear from uh, Avalon Skinner, who's a young adult who grew up in the congregation here in Cheyenne, um, about what her 2020 was like. So uh, I'm looking forward to looking back and trying to understand what it all means. So let's dive in. So, starting to wrestle with current events is an interesting task this week. Um, recording on Thursday, January 7th, and yesterday, Wednesday, January 6th, um, an armed, violent mob um, overtook the US Capitol um, to disrupt and disturb. Um, the proceedings of the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate as they tried to certify the election results and the electoral votes. And so our question this week invites us to wrestle with how do we make sense of the year we never imagined, right? How do we make sense of 2020, which was just full of, you know, unprecedented things in quotes, right? And how many emails or... Facebook posts or, you know, speeches did we hear where there was an unprecedented thing happening? So as we think about what, like, right, how do we make sense of this unimaginable year? There's part of me that feels like, oh, well, that question so perfectly translates to what happened yesterday at the Capitol, right? How do we make sense of this, like, coup attempt that we never could have imagined, But the truth is that, like, maybe there are some of us for whom we never could have imagined that happening. Um, And yet there are also lots of folks um, who have, you know, throughout the Trump presidency and throughout the Trump candidacy, trying to tell us. That what he was doing, the kind of rhetoric he was using, the kind of campaign he was running, you know, the the way he interacted with his, you know, his base or his followers, depending on how you want to slice that cookie. Um, right, like, the, those things were white nationalism, right? Those things were fascist white nationalism and that maybe you know they weren't the sort of things that would qualify exactly as fascist white nationalism just yet but that they were all pointing in this direction and so I feel like the the place that that leaves you know that that leaves me thinking about is sort of um right how do we Figure out a way to engage with the world around us in a way that is honest and open about how bad things could get without, you know, without, like, just despairing all the time, if that makes sense, right? How do we look at things as they are and get really clear about what's happening and the the gravity of it without just becoming, like, subsumed with angst and grief. Because when I think about a um, mob going into the Capitol, right, like, if I'm honest with myself, I, I knew that could happen, and I, you know, have read articles about how that could happen and have myself, like, heard Trump's rhetoric and said, like, you know, I think that that is, you know, that is a precursor to fascism. That is a precursor to white nationalism. Um, The natural consequence or the natural, like, logical conclusion of what he's saying would be, like, a dictatorship or or white nationalism, you know. And yet, there is also part of me that along the way has been delighted to hear you know, pundits or even people I know say things like, well, I, you know, it can't be that bad or it won't get that bad or, you know, this is America. This isn't, you know, Nazi Germany. What are you talking about? Um And so, how, like, how do we balance those two responses to horrible things happening or to the precursors to horrible things happening right how do we respond to those signals that tell us like hey something really awful could happen as a result of this um, in a way that inspires us to take like appropriate action rather than a way that inspires us to like bury our heads in the sand or just become so despairing that we can't move on and I, I don't know if there's an, I don't, I, as I so often do not, I do not have an answer to that question, but I think it's an important one to hold up because I, you know, when I look back to the first, like, two weeks of March 2020, you know, I, I remember on the last Sunday we were in church, um, I said, I think this is the last Sunday we'll meet in person. And there were people who looked at me like I was... Off, like like I was nuts um and part of me felt nuts saying it part of me felt like a like chicken little being like who knows when we'll be back next um and yet like that was true that was a true assessment and here we are uh on this podcast 10 months later um so how when when we get that kind of information or data or evidence, and I don't mean data in the sense of like numbers, but data in the sense of just like things happening around us that we observe, Um, when we get that kind of data about human behavior or things that are happening in our natural world, I think we really need to wrestle with being present to what is truly possible, even if it's really awful in a way that allows us to act with thoughtfulness and integrity without just becoming like doomsday despairers. Um, and so that's the place that I am. And I, I the place I feel like our, our UU values kind of intersect or hook into that um, is that that piece in our second principle about justice, equity, and compassion in human relations, um, and that that those are often, right, like the just response to a situation is not always the compassionate response to a situation, um, is not always the equitable response to a situation. And so I think about how that principle invites us to hold things um, in tension with one another as a way to help access a deeper truth or access a, you know, more beautiful vision of what could be. And so I think that maybe the calling is to hold, you know, hold that optimism of it can't get that bad and that realism of, oh, no, it could really get that bad how to hold those in tension with one another rather than seeing them as opposed to each other, but rather seeing them as, as both necessary to help us do the next right thing and find the next right step moving forward. So to get us started wrestling with this question of how can we make sense of the year we never imagined, the year we never anticipated, um, the year that eh, very few of us were planning for, um, how do we make sense of that? And so to get us started, I want to ground us in our Unitarian Universalist history and theology. And specifically, I want to um, ground us in an aspect of our universalism. Um, and, you know, historically, we came out of the Christian tradition, and so universalism had a particular meaning in the context of Christian theology. And as Unitarian Universalism sort of expanded beyond Protestant theology, um one of the ways that we came to understand salvation or the ways that we have, um, many of us have come to understand salvation is that it's not about um, a next life or a next world, but it's about um, this life and this world. Um, And sometimes uh, a phrase that folks will use to talk about what that means is that they'll say um, that we're, as universalists, um, we are called to love the hell out of this world, Um, right? Which just means that we are called to live in our communities and love our neighbors in a way that makes the world we are living in now more like heaven than like hell. Um, Or sometimes we'll talk about, you know, salvation in this life. Um, And so... You know, that, I feel like, um, in those moments of real community togetherness, I feel like I really like feel that. I'm like, yes, we are building the beloved community. We are right here. We are doing the work. We are like building heaven on earth right now, like, uh, yeah, doing it. And that has been a really hard feeling to have this year this past year, right? That has been a really hard. Um, framework, at least for me, to feel like I'm living it out in the context of this just like really complicated, difficult year. And it has, um, there have been moments where I have, I've wondered like, oh, am I am I a fair-weather universalist, right? Am I only all on for salvation in this life when this life seems like pretty okay? Um, And so I think that for me, making sense of this past year as people who are committed to the idea that our calling is not to you know, prepare our souls to be good enough for the next life, but to make the world we are living in worthy of the the possibilities that are wrapped up in our our divine vision of the world. Right, like to make this world the one that we want. Um, it's a. It's been a reminder that that vision and that work needs to encompass the world as it is, right? It needs to encompass the realities of life. um, And in doing so, be made more resilient. Because I think maybe what I've realized is that, right, if our vision for a better world cannot sustain the heartbreak of this pandemic, then it wasn't a strong enough vision to begin with. Right, if our sense of what heaven on earth looks like um, feels like it can't stand up to what a hard year 2020 was for so many people, then we, we need to make a more robust and resilient vision. And so as I think about this question of making sense of this past year, it really, for me, is an opportunity to, like, recast a vision that, you know, that, that acknowledges this reality and yet says another world is possible and I have a role in making it happen. Well, I want to welcome our guest to the podcast this week. Our guest is uh, Avalon Skinner, and I'm going to ask Avalon to introduce herself.
1: Hello, um, I'm Avalon. Some of you might know me. I've been part of the church since I was born, really. Um, Right now, I am technically a junior in college, and I'm attending University of Wyoming with a major in social work and a double minor, hopefully in disability studies and psychology.
0: Thank you for being with us, Avalon. That sounds like an amazingly full plate, um, (laughs) like so many of our youth have. Um, So I invited Avalon here to talk about how her 2020 was interrupted. Um, and so, uh, yeah, maybe if you could start Avalon by talking about um, pre-pandemic, what was your vision for what your 2020 was going to be like? What were your
1: plans? Yeah, so um, in the fall of 2019, I took off a semester of college just because I'd be relocated back to Wyoming. And um, I was going through some I don't know, some personal turmoil emotionally that was making it hard for me to focus on school. And so starting 2020, I really, I planned, I went back to college starting in the spring um, and I was really excited to just have a normal semester of college surrounded by some friends that I hadn't been around um, in about a year since I had just come back from New Mexico. And um, the first couple months were awesome being on campus, learning a new campus, meeting new people, being in classes that I kind of enjoyed. (laughs) Um, And then all of a sudden, this huge adjustment happened. And I mean, you know, I really just wanted to make progress on my degree and kind of figure out where I wanted to go with it. Um, And I ended up doing that, but it's been it's been rough.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine what, right, like, just like barely two months in at a new campus, having to totally totally shift your world to a like a virtual education that you had not really planned on.
1: Yeah, I was just getting comfortable being on campus and figuring out where my classes were and everything and just getting in the swing of things. And then all of a sudden I have to get into a new swing of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's so like, that's just so much. Um how how do you feel like I mean other than right the obvious part where you um, had to suddenly take your classes virtually like what do you feel like the big adjustments were um, once the COVID restrictions started happening on campus?
1: um, I mean personally I went through a lot of relationship turmoil like within some of the people that I've been closest to. Um, I've lost a couple of friends since, not, not to COVID or anything, just personally, we don't talk anymore. Um, and I think part of that was being quarantined with one of them specifically. Um, we had to face a lot of characteristics about each other that we had not really had to experience before. Um, I helped her through a lot of problems and we were both very fragile. You know, partly because of the pandemic and partly because of just everything else that was happening in our lives, and um, unfortunately, we don't we don't speak anymore. So that's been a really hard adjustment with my life. Also, um, in addition to learning how to live through a pandemic, I mean, just being really self conscious, really aware of my actions on the community at large has been really humbling for me.
0: Can you say more about um, that piece about the, like, the relationship between your individual actions and the wider community? Like, how, um, I mean, there's sort of the obvious one about, like, mask wearing and those sorts of things, but are there other ways that you feel like you have gotten a deeper understanding of your, like, how individual actions impact, like, the community?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I work in food service I work at Jimmy John's and I, I have for about a year and a half I did lose I was not working any hours for um, a little over a month there at the beginning of the pandemic they everything was just so slow they couldn't afford to have me as an employee so um, coming back and working with all of these restrictions like like you said masks and and for a while, we had to like staple all of our bags shut so that it was like the sanitary kind of thing. Um, but that's been the main thing for me because it's made me realize how much contact people have with each other and how much of it. Honestly, I'm surprised we haven't had a pandemic earlier than we have because I mean, working at Jimmy John's, we hadn't worn masks until. April I think is when we started and I just now I can't imagine working in food service without masks (laughs) but um, I mean there's also the the aspect of supporting small businesses and um, you know I mean everyone's heard about Jeff Bezos and Amazon getting however many times richer from the pandemic and everything but I think that's part of also being super aware of the community around us because we, we choose where we put our money, you know, and we choose how it affects everyone around us. And I think that's been a wake up call kind of.
0: Yeah. That's a, the, the economic interdependence is so big. And I will also say as somebody who used to work in food service, like in pre-pandemic times, just the unbelievable pressure to like work sick Yeah. Um, was, is, uh, Maybe a, a silver lining of this pandemic is that there will no longer be a culture in food service where you just try to appear unsick in front of customers, even mm-hmm. though you are absolutely like a hundred percent sick and should not be working.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. And I, I actually I did contract COVID um, in October. It was during midterms. It was a rough ten days, um, and I actually shut Jimmy John's down for a week. And it was really unfortunate because anyone who tested negative didn't get paid for that entire week and oh, so I mean some of my coworkers were kind of frustrated at me I guess but you know it could have been any of us really
0: yeah well that no, right that goes to sort of that interdependence is that like it's it sucks when we're put in situations where like people's economic welfare and the like public health good are seen as like opposing one another rather than being part of the same like ethic of human care.
1: Yeah, and it also is a lot of pressure when it falls on your shoulders.
0: Yeah, I feel like shutting down Jimmy John's is a lot for a college student to be
1: be carrying. I <laughs> you know, I've, I've had a little bit of guilt about it <laughs> for the last couple of months, but also, uh, the owner of our franchise. Uh, he uh you know I was talking about Jeff Bezos and everything well he was telling all my coworkers the day that they were shutting down I obviously was not at work but he said um he said to my coworkers, you know wait you guys are upset about not getting paid for a week but I'm losing ten thousand dollars from this store shutting down this week and it's like wow are we supposed to feel bad for you
0: yeah it's there's like So, I feel like this, or thinking about that and thinking about, you know, talking about how you have, right, sort of lost friends in the sense of that the, like, the relationships could just not, just could not be sustained or were not healthy to be sustained anymore. Um, Thinking about just like all of the costs of this and how we talk about that and how we frame it. Um, And I'm wondering, if you feel like, when, if, you have, if you have sort of reflected on, you know, like, what do you feel like the cost of this pandemic has been to you, whether economic or otherwise, how would you describe that?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, um, I've been pretty lucky to be able to, in the long run, keep my job. Um, we've been, like, insanely successful since the pandemic started, and that's a benefit but also, you know, because of the suffering of others. So it's a blessing and a curse, but um, so definitely economic. I've been pretty lucky, but I mean, emotionally it's draining and in tandem with, um, especially during the summer, you know, all the protesting that was happening, that was just a whole nother level of like guilt and awareness that we all had to come come to um, on top of being responsible enough to wear masks and wash our hands and social distance. Um, So that's another emotionally draining aspect that's happened these last few months, as I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, Also just academically, (laughs) um, this last semester was insane for me. Um, I don't know why I decided to take 19 credits all online while in my childhood bedroom that still has glow in the dark stars on the ceiling. But you know, I did it. I just it. need to
0: pause <laughs> and say that that like, as somebody, or I should say, as as a college student who had a somewhat similar energy about credit hours, both like I'm so glad and grateful that you made it through that, and also at some juncture you will look back on it and be like, "Yo, that was <laughs> not that was nuts."
1: Yeah. No, it seriously isn't. It makes me feel like getting through that with my GPA, not super horrible, makes me feel like I can get through anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, well, I'm thinking, I guess that's sort of the, right, the other piece of it is that the, um, like, are there things that you feel like, I don't know, like, skills or strengths or unexpected, like, you know, it turns out I'm really good at, you know, doing my, like, you know, doing my hair not to be affected by a mask at work or whatever it is, like, what are the, whether frivolous or serious, are there like skills or things like that that you feel like you've come out of this? Are, <laughs> except we're not out of it, right? Like I'm, I'm gonna yeah. backpedal that question that so far you feel like you have learned or gained or expanded in the pandemic.
1: Um, yeah, well, definitely talking about the mask thing, I'm sure so many people can relate to this, like fogging up glasses. <laughs> I've learned how to deal with that. Um, so that's been a personal a personal goal <laughs> that I've achieved. Um, but also, yeah, just being, um, I don't know, I feel like I've come out, or since it started, I've become more resilient um, to a lot of problems. I mean, as a college student, I go through a lot obviously and um a pandemic on top of it is (laughs) not what anyone asked for really but I've been able to continue my life and continue my life plans which I'm very lucky I realized that to be able to do that um because some people have not been as lucky to be able to do that successfully or easily right now um and yeah I mean I just look forward to. I mean, no matter how long a pandemic lasts, I, I know that I can continue my career and my career goals and plans that I have for myself, which I think will definitely be affected by the pandemic, also. But
0: yeah, that's our, uh, that was my next question is how have or have your, right, those sort of plans for yourself, for your future, been impacted by this time?
1: Well, I mean, directly so far, it's just been seen in classes. Um, I mean, I'm taking sign language, it's going to, it's part of the disability studies minor, or I'm choosing to have it be part of the minor. Um, And let me tell you, learning sign language over Zoom is challenging (laughs) um I'm lucky because I had already I'd already taken a semester of it my one of my first semesters of college so it was just kind of a review this semester but man I hope we have in-person classes for that next semester because it is it is hard but I think um going into, into social work there will be a lot of lasting effects from the pandemic in a lot of ways I mean whether it's You know, in hospitals, the social workers have to learn how to deal with um, all of the restrictions and masks and uh, taking that on from now on. And also in schools, they have to learn how to deal with everything going on at home that they might not, that kids might not have access to the resources that they might get at school since everything is online. Um, And I just think it's going to open up a lot of doors to help help social workers be more effective um and looking at a lot of the different views of issues that get brought up in social work so i'm kind of excited to see how that ends up developing by the time i'm looking at a career in social work
0: yeah that's so um yes that there i i like i feel like i can't imagine what it would be like to be in the formative place that you're in while this is all happening and sort of watching it unfold knowing that the world you'll enter when you are looking for full-time work and that stuff is going to be very different from the one you thought you were entering or the one you thought you were preparing to enter when you started college.
1: Yeah but I think it's kind of exciting too.
0: (laughs) Yeah no that's I think that's very true. If you um if you could envision like the perfect job for yourself when you graduated. Like what if you're like this is the one that if it came across my LinkedIn or whatever like more hip thing is replacing LinkedIn, um this is the one that I would want to do.
1: <laughs> oh man, I mean I I mean I didn't know what I was going to major in until I mean, obviously people change all the time and I'm lucky that I haven't had to change because this is such the right thing for me to major in. But it was the last semester of my senior year of high school and um, everyone was trying to figure out what they wanted to focus on. And I I just knew, I said to my friends, I was like, you know, I just want to help people. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, my mom always thought I should be a teacher. But then my, one of my friends was like, you know what, you should you should major in social work. And I said, that is the perfect thing for me because I just wanted to help people. So, I mean, there's a couple things that I would like to maybe end up doing, but I'm okay with really anything. Um, Two of my grandmas went through hospice. And so that whole entity, um, you know, establishment is really important to me. And so I think it would be really kind of full circle for me to come back and be a hospice social worker. The the circle of life and like cycles are really important to me. And I think helping people and their families get to the end of life and be content to where they are in that um, would be really, I mean, obviously it'd be really draining, um, but I think it'd be really fulfilling and I would be proud of the work that I would do then. Um, But I'm also am really interested in sign language. So something with that maybe, or a school social worker so those are kind of my top three focuses right
0: now those all sound like amazing ways to help people and contribute and just be your amazing avalon self out in the world oh um to kind of to to close um I'm curious is there like is there something that you wish people who are not currently students are not currently young adults, um, not currently, you know, in school in any way. Is there something that you wish that the rest of us knew about what it has been like to be a college student through the pandemic?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to really explain what we're going through. Um, Obviously, I chose the Hell of 19 credits last semester, but it's also we are growing up with this, and how it will affect our future is so unknown. And I mean, no pressure, (laughs) but however, like the generations ahead of us end up contributing to how this pandemic ends up will affect our lives forever. I mean, and obviously, it's it falls on our shoulders, too. It's partly our responsibility also. But I mean, right now, y'all are the ones making the decisions for us. And, you know, that $600 stimulus check that just got passed, that doesn't really stand up to anything. (laughs) Um, I mean, it doesn't pay for, it'll pay for, like, college books. (laughs) <laughs> that's about it yeah, but, so like two
0: for like two classes that's like two classes yeah. of college books
1: yeah oh, exactly like and so I mean just just be be aware be caring um I mean and especially to those of you in education like to people in in the field of education whether it's um you know like pre-k or grade school or college or whatever just be caring, be aware, be loving, understand that people are going through a lot and more emotional turmoil than than we normally would be as students um, because of personal relationships and because of sicknesses and because of being quarantined with people that we don't normally spend that much time with. Um, so yeah, just be aware, I guess.
0: Yeah. That's a right. It's a reminder about that interdependence you talked about at the beginning, that like our individual actions are impacting other people, not just in the sense of like, oh, I could give you COVID, but in the sense of, you know, the people who I vote to elect to office or the ways that I show up in my civic responsibilities impact all of the dimensions of the the future for generations who are being formed right now.
1: Yep. More than more than we realize really.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Avalon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Your presence matters to us. Whether you are here in Cheyenne or across the globe, we are grateful that you would spend this time with us. If you'd like to connect more with our community, you can visit our website at uucheyenne.org. I'm the Reverend Hannah Roberts Vilnave, and on behalf of a grateful community, thank you. We'll see you soon.